The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. everybody welcome to the rotowire fantasy baseball podcast sponsored by winbet thank you to winbet for your sponsorship if you can gamble and your locality please use winbet all right uh we will have more details on that still i promise you it's coming uh but at any rate uh, uh we are uh, uh happy to talk here uh talking all things baseball we're starting to get a couple of uh questions firing in here uh i'm not surprised at this one here but uh, let's start off right off the top here the title Fred loses in man versus machine. <laughs> what happened, Fred? So I go through this every Monday with Jeff Zimmerman with our NFBC teams, but um, he he's very projections based, and mm-hmm. and so am I too, and so am I actually to a great degree. But I don't know when we get into some things, some of the lineup setting, like as we've discussed, I do my own projections going into the season, and uh, as we get into lineup setting each week, I think I'm a lot more feel than he is so um our one of these debates tends to rise like every week um where you know he has projections that have player projected to be that he should be in our lineup for sure and then i my my the common sense side of me says no and the guy this week was bailey ober who pitched last night okay it's very well last night now i originally liked bailey ober um, because the strikeout to walk ratio was really good, but then the last couple starts it hasn't been very good. So he has two start a two start week this week. Jeff was adamant that we start him. Uh, I I wanted to drop him, but <laughs> but then I, but then I did con- but then I did concede that like a couple bad starts, like maybe we should keep him. But like but I was I wasn't really at all interested in starting him. So it was a man versus machine. It was my brain looking at it, it was his third start against the White Sox already um, right. in what now seven starts. The first two starts against the White Sox were his two worst starts so far. He was getting them for a third time. I was like, I don't know if this guy's any good. The White Sox are probably on to it. They're already been on to him. Like this isn't going to work out and he's going to get shelled and he hadn't thrown five innings in any of his last three starts. So he wasn't going to get a win and all these things. And then I went with Jeff because 
it was man versus machine. We, we put the machine in and uh, Bailey over, he pitched five scoreless, got seven strikeouts and got a win. So I was wrong. The machine wins this time. But you win too because you had it active though. But if if left to my brain, we would have benched him. Yeah, I understand. Guaranteed. Like I, I I can't take any credit for this one. Like like I say, like left to my brain, I would have benched him. We benched Tarek Skubal, so that was our like. And this was in the main was the main discussion. We had him in another league, but we didn't have a lot of good options. So I was like, okay, sure, we can use him in the other league. But in the main, it, it we we benched Tarek Skubal, who I I quite like, but just had the one start this week. So we'll see how Skubal does. I guess we'll see how Ober does in his second start, which is at home against Detroit. So the battle isn't totally over yet, although I'm kind of conceding defeat because, I mean, we already got a win and five scoreless from Ober. Even if his next start's like four innings, four runs, like he still had a pretty good week for us. Yeah, it's just amazing, though. He had two bad starts against the same White Sox team. Although maybe it's not the same White Sox team. They've had some injuries and, you know, things like that. It just shows, though, five days ago, went three and a third. This is only the second time in seven outings that he's gone five innings. I mean, I, I understand where your brain was going yeah. on this one here. Yeah, I mean, there's things with Ober. Like I said, there's things with Ober that I like, namely that his strikeout to walk ratio is 33 to 7 uh, in mm-hmm. 29 and two-thirds. Like I, like, I like that. And that's why one of the reasons that, like we had him on our team in the first place is we were both interested in him. I bet he's sitting on waivers still in a lot of leagues and maybe probably sure. dropped Sunday. It was probably dropped Sunday in some leagues. And again, we'll see how he does. I don't think like we're certifying him as a breakout yet, but, um, but anyways, yeah, that was, I don't know. All the common sense signs to me pointed to, we shouldn't risk this guy. Now I will say that the more I've been learning about, about just like mathematical projections for players week to week, the more it does favor just risking it a little bit with your two star pitchers, probably more so than, than my brain often wants to. I, I didn't want to play Martin Perez yesterday and we didn't, and we actually cut him and he got a win last night. So if we, I mean, he only got like three strikeouts or something. It wasn't like an amazing performance, but he still got a win and wins are hard to come by. I was just going to say, with diminishing returns with all of our pitchers, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more Cole and and Gossman again. Yay. Uh, If we're getting diminishing returns, maybe, I guess you could be, you just go for volume and be less discriminatory. I mean, it's really, I mean, you can find some teams to stream against, but it's getting harder now as offense is starting to trickle back upward. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just so much we don't know about pitching right now. Like you said, we can get into Cole in a bit. But um, yeah, there, there's like, this is a, I mean, the pitchers are obviously the, the primary, you know, targets of all this substance changes and things like that. But us fantasy owners are, are really feeling it right now, where from week to week, it's hard to tell if your starter has a bad start. Like, for example, Scooble didn't have a great start last week. Well, was that related to uh, anything that he's had to change since June 21st, or was it just a bad start? Normally it would, I would just chalk it up as a bad start, but we have to watch these things, uh, you know, really carefully right now. So, uh, I always have felt, and it's also good to know your own, what you at least perceive to be your own strengths and weaknesses. And I've always thought that I've been better at making hitting decisions than pitching decisions. So I will also say that that was another reason that in the end I was, you know, I, I voiced my concerns to Jeff, but was more open to going with the machine and man versus machine because I think pitching weekly pitching decisions is something that I've been trying to work on the last couple of years. Yeah, it is. And you know, still refining your own man, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess you can see that here. Uh, we've had a couple news items here. Uh, Vidal Bruhan getting the call. Um, we, you know, Manuel Margot is going to hit the IL. Bruhan, it was either Bruhan or Josh Lowe. Turns out it's going to be Bruhan that gets the call for the Rays. Presumably, he's going to play a lot, right? 
I would think so. So it looks like he's going to be called up as the 27th man for the double header game tomorrow and that but then stay because he's the one who will fit, you know, fit the vacated spot and it's the Rays so like he probably won't play every every day because I just feel like hardly any Rays play completely every day and that's one of the right. frustrating parts of them. Um but when you look at his minor league numbers from this year like he's he's not a high average hitter this year, sorry, this year he hasn't been a high average hitter. Uh, but in his minor league career, he's a 290 hitter. Just this year, he's been 259. But this, but every year we see steals. So I'm in. Like, I'm interested. If you can get me steals, I'm interested. And then this year, more power. Nine homers in 49 games. So uh, previous years, he looked like someone who would be like a single-digit type home run hitter. But now, you know, if he's someone who could pace out to a 20 home run hitter in the majors or more, then then that's like a 20 home run hitter who can steal bases is, is pretty darn exciting. So I, I don't know if he'll be up permanently, but he'll definitely be someone I think who gets added in at least, I think he'll get added in pretty much every 12 and definitely all 15s because there'll be teams in every league who need steals. I think it'll be steals dependent whether your specific team wants to buy, you know, go after him next Sunday or not. So now when Wander Franco got the call, we all expected, okay, this is for good. He's going to be up for, for the long haul. How about Bruhan? I mean, he's actually being called up as the 27th man for this mm-hmm. doubleheader uh, on Wednesday. Keep in mind, tonight's game got preemptively postponed because of uh, tro- the tropical storm slash hurricane. Uh, so that, that made sense. I got it. I got yeah. why they did that. Uh, however, I mean, if he's the 27th man, could they just easily send him right back down? Yeah, but but it sounds like they're not going to. So. It, it seems like he's going to stay up now. Will he, now you said permanently, like, like as in Wander Franco, I think when he came up, we felt like he's up at this point. Like I haven't looked totally at the timeline for Margot, if there is one, but you know, like between the fact that Margot will be back at some point and the fact that, you know, the trade deadlines coming up later this month and who knows what the race will do. I wouldn't say it's a certainty that, that he'll, that Bruhan will be up for the rest of the season. So I think you're getting him knowing that he like, I don't know. What do you think the odds are? If we were going to put a percentage on it, that he's up for good. I would put it maybe at like 60, 65%. Yeah. I mean, we all thought that Jared Kelnick would be up for good and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there is definitely a non-zero chance and it's probably bigger than most people realize. I would say mm-hmm. that that's, that's probably yeah. my takeaway from that. Yeah. Uh, the other transactional note, your guy, Rowdy Tellez, I'm calling him your guy. Cause he's, <laughs> He was a he was a blue, he, was a blue he is day, now yeah. he is now a brewer. Uh Keston Hero, shockingly enough, started slumping. Uh, as you kind of suggested he might. Although he, you know, he had, he had like a big series against the Cubs. Yep. But since then, it's kind of slowed down. Uh, I'm looking at like I think he's got like two days in a row where he hasn't had a hit. He kind of was okay for a while. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's a massive slump, but I mean he's hitting 161, so I guess he is slumping. Uh Point is, Roddy Teles can probably do better than that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. It, we're being too hard on here. Like he homered three games in a row. Oh, sorry, no, he didn't. He homered three out of four games, and since then he hasn't homered. But he did have some games with hits. And but I mean, when you look at the underlying numbers with Hira, he's got eight in, in the last three games. He's got eight strikeouts. So I think the Brewers are feeling like not much progress has been made with him. You know, if he's going to strike out twice a game, he's not really a long term solution. So Teles, I think, will get a shot to be their mm-hmm. first baseman. Um, I've watched. Has he been added to the major league roster yet? I'm not sure about that. If he, has he was yet. in the minors. So that, that, that's right. That's why I ask. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure. Um, I've watched Tellez a lot this season, more than 
probably anyone listening to this podcast or almost anyone listening to this podcast, but uh, he actually hasn't played. He hasn't played all this year, like at all. Like yeah. last year he was making better contact is the biggest thing. His strikeout rates up a bit this year from last year, like, like a decent amount, about 6%, but it's still, it's not high at 22% this year. Um, that's fine for a, like a slugger, big guy, corner infielder. He's just not making hard contact this year. Um, you know, his, his hard contact rate is down. Um, you know, his stack cast numbers are okay. Uh, like his batting average this year is 209, but his XBI is 251. So, you know, there, there's some signs there. His X slug is over a hundred points higher than his slug. So, like, you know, the Brewers are, I, I always think of them as a fairly analytical front office. Um, you know, maybe they're looking at him and thinking, hey, if we could maybe just give this guy first base and just leave him alone, uh, you know, put him hitting sixth or seventh in in that lineup that, you know, and maybe in like not so much of a stacked lineup that maybe he'll be fine. And he, and he might be. I'd say those who maybe in 15 team leagues will probably want to put bids in on him on Sunday. I don't know yeah. if I'd go after him. I wouldn't go after him yet in 12s, but the Blue Jays are so deep and so good that Telez basically had two or three weeks at the start of the season to get going. He didn't. And then, you know, Grichuk was going, Hernandez was going, Guriel's going, Vlad's playing first and going. And they didn't really, really need Telez. If he wasn't going to be hitting, they could just cycle that DH spot. Yeah, and they added Dickerson, so they didn't need right. him as a left-handed bench spot. So that's right. I, I get it. I, I get it there. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a bummer. I want to circle back to the Rays real quick. We talked about Bruhan, and we mentioned Franco, but he hasn't been all otherworldly. Great debut since then. Eh, okay, just okay. Yep. Yeah, he's been fine. Um like, like, I'm not giving up on him. I wouldn't drop him in any leagues, things like that. But it right. did get me thinking, like, like I wrote about when Franco first came up, I did write about like he has two homers and two steals in 12 games. So that's good from a fantasy perspective. Like there's like, he could play over his head from a fantasy perspective. He can just keep racking up homers and steals even without a high OPS. But um, I think, I think it's always, and Scott Pianowski has been on this for years, but I think it's almost always a good idea to trade these premium prospects when they first get called up, like basically at, at before or after their first game, like just get a really good veteran we talked when Kelnick came up about, you know, what I would maybe be willing to offer in labor for him. Oof. And, and it was a lot. And, and the person who had him in labor said, no, thank you. Um, and with Franco, I think same thing. It was thing. Tim McLeod, by the way. There's no right. way he's trading him. Yeah. Right. But it would have been, <laughs> right. been super smart of Tim to trade him with what's happened. You know, like what yeah. I was willing to trade for him. I can't remember the exact players, but it was, it was some pretty good players who I was willing to like consider trading for him. So uh, Franco, same thing. I wonder like when the next – Bruhan's not enough of a prospect to make that an option, but – um, yeah, I wonder, I think you could have done the same thing with Vlad Guerrero a couple years ago. Like when he got called up, I think he could have got a ton for him. And, and he was just from a fantasy perspective, not that valuable in his right. rookie year. So, uh, we'll see with Franco. Like, I'm certainly not like looking to trade him for nothing, but I, and I think the windows may be already closed on getting someone really, really good for him. But I think in some leagues, if we had gone through that Yahoo trade market, like the day before or after his first game, I think, I think we did go through it a little bit on the podcast. Right. I think you could get a lot for, didn't we look at it? And it was guys like, there were some guys like Freddie Freeman. He was getting traded for and We weren't right. sure if they were keeper leagues or not. Yeah. So to that end, let's pull up the old trade market and see what Wander Franco is getting now, there you go. because I'm sure there's still being trades. In fact, there are 10 trades. Alas, none of them are one for, well, there is one. It's Wander Franco and a seventh rounder for Bo Bichette and an 11th rounder. I don't know if there's any dollar values attached to that um, right. or not, but I mean, I'm taking Bichette 
every day over that, right? The four round. Well, I guess it's obviously a keeper. It's like obviously a keeper. a keeper. So now I like Bichette a lot. I think he'll probably be a first round pick or a borderline first round pick next year. But uh, Franco does have the potential to be like on the Tatis, Acuna, Soto type level here in a, couple, in a couple of years. So I'm not, that one's not quite, I might, it depends what the keepers are. If it's lifetime or if like dynasty, or if it's like three years or something, three years, I'm taking both for sure. If it's lifetime, like dynasty format, I think I, I, I don't know. I might take Franco. You know, Boba Shett's not that old. He was born in 1998. Boba a stud and like, he's going to be great for, we just did that Tout Wars round table last week of, you know, those guys in the top 10 and who had the best chance to stay in the top 10 players at the end of the season. I took Bichette over Guerrero because just for fantasy, like he steals bases, he steals mm-hmm. bases, he hits for average, he hits for power. Like it's, it's perfect. If he can just be like, like a 25 to 30 Homer, you know, 20 to 25 steel guy who hits 290. That's, that's awesome for years, for a few years, that would be awesome. Right. I will say this though. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think, I think both cases, I mean, you're going to love all those guys, but I will say, uh, Pachette, you know, the batting average is a little risky. Just, mm-hmm. He does hack a lot. Yep. Um, you, you could ha- run into that bad year, uh, you know, in terms of like BABIP and things of that nature there. But mm-hmm. the other the other thing, too, is like in, in response to that question is I said, all you know, I kind of copped out. I said all three Blue Jays, you know, are got a good chance of staying up there. The, the players on bad teams like Cedric Mullins has a greater chance of falling off because the counting stats could fall off. Yeah, it, it's. Any of those Blue Jays, all those Blue Jays will stay on the list as long as they don't slump, as long as they personally don't slump, because that lineup is so good and long that it can have, like Springer could slump in the lineup and still keep scoring a lot. Bichette could slump in the lineup and still keep scoring a lot. So just individually, like like Simeon, Bichette, Guerrero, they'll drop out of the top 10 if they have a month where they hit 200. But mm-hmm. if they don't, then they'll probably stay in it because the counting stats should be there. Let's move uh, off the field for a second here. Question that is in the comments uh, from Star Platinum. Just read on the NFBC page that Connecticut will not be able to play fantasy baseball. Is this true? And if so, what are, are what other states are in trouble? So here's kind of the background on this. I don't know all the details, but uh, Peter Shanky, and you can follow him at, at Peter Shanky at Peter Shanky on Twitter uh, and ask him more because he kind of does a lot of the FSGA lobby work and all that. But he's been on top of this basically. DraftKings and FanDuel have been negotiating with uh, Connecticut. There's also trying to get game, a gaming license there. And fantasy is getting caught up in it. Um, and, and basically, these bigger contests need to have this very expensive license licensing fee in Connecticut. And, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel, they don't like it, but they can afford it a lot more readily than smaller operations. So that's kind of what's going on there. Greg Ambrosius could probably, it could better give you those details. But if the NB, NFPC is saying that, it's true. I mean, they'll, they'll follow through with that. So, you know, just a heads up on uh, what's going on there. Uh, good question, Star Platinum. Uh, we'll get the uh, Twitter questions later on in the, the show, but uh want to thank you for that. If Keep throwing those questions out there. We'll hit them all up at the end. Otherwise, let let got to go to another issue here. This is kind of something we were going to start the, the podcast with, but the news had happened. Why do you hate my Reds? <laughs> I hate your Reds. I hate your Reds because they scored on Mike Miner last night in the seventh inning, but I more hate... Mike Matheny for leaving him in. I was I was following this game. I'm sure you mm-hmm. were following it closer than I was. With the Blue Jays not playing last night, I didn't, and uh, and we're in a bit of a heat wave here. And I just kind of took the night off a little bit from baseball. But I was following that game, 
And Miner was doing great, as you know. Six innings, one run allowed, just a homer he had given up. He was doing great. And I was like, perfect. This Miner, and he was someone else who was a two-star pitcher who I started in a couple of leagues with some some trepidation because he had been not, hadn't been great in his previous two starts. I was like, this is yeah. great. And then you know what happened from there. Matheny sent him out for the seventh. Why did he do that? Well, first of all, he was on a roll. He had only allowed like one walk and I think a hit batter in his last 15, like 13 or 15 batters. He hadn't given up any hard contact since then. Um, he was on a roll. Matheny, I mean, not Matheny, um, Miner afterwards said he kind of took a pitch off on that home run by Castellanos. Can't really blame Matheny for that. Got to blame Miner. Like, and he goes, he didn't expect Castellanos to swing at the first pitch. I mean, do they not do advanced scouting in KC? Has the internet not gotten there? <laughs> it's true. He, uh, you just, I looked at it. I so then I looked up his stats this season, and sure enough, like the sixth and seventh innings are his worst innings. Like pretty mm-hmm. predictably, pretty predictably, the sixth and seventh innings are his worst innings this year. And I would assume that all the times he's pitched into the sixth and seventh innings, it's been because he was doing so well going into the sixth or seventh inning that uh you know that they left him in well so far when they left him in for the sixth opponents are hitting 375 off him and when they leave him in for the seventh they're hitting 313 so uh anyway so like it's it's pretty clear like the first few innings like the first five innings opponents are hitting i don't have the some total, but I can pretty much eyeball it and say the opponents are hitting about 240 off them, 245, and then the 6th and 7th innings, it all falls apart. So they kind of already played with fire when they left him out for the 6th, and then they played with fire even more when they brought him out for the 7th, and I was mad at your Reds for scoring on them, but it's not their fault. It's, uh, I'm blaming Matheny still. Like, come on. Like, we figured this out. Just just try to be the Rays. They're frustrating <laughs> when they pull Blake Snell in the World Series, but it typically works for them. It, it would have been a, if it would have been a great start if they had pulled him after the six innings, one run would have been perfect. I, he wouldn't have got a win, but that's okay. Yeah. So I, I was annoyed. I like when I got up and I looked at the the stat line for him. I was like, what? Where did this? What? I, I like. I was thinking back to last night, and I was like, am I sure that I checked and he had six innings, one run allowed? And sure enough, right below it said minor on the MLB at bat app. It said minor pitched to three batters in the seventh, and I'm like, well, there you go, three batters. You can get any of them out. Oh, uh, that's the worst. So annoying. Yeah, it's so I find it like really when your pitcher's doing really well and then it all falls apart at the end. I don't know why. I just that's the one in fantasy that bugs me the most. If he gets shelled from the beginning, whatever it wasn't his day. But when when you get through five or six and you're like, okay, this has gone well, get him out. But so when they leave him in and then he gets shelled, I just get annoyed. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you on that. I mean, we've all had good. that too. You know. Yeah. The worst is when, okay, they struggle like in the first inning, give up two or three runs, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be a one. Then they stabilize. But mm-hmm. you, and, and you just know there's going to be another wave coming. You know? Yeah. Yep. I know it's probably too soon to make second wave co- jokes and all that, but uh, illusions. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's just, you know, it, they're, they're going to stick in too long, and then the next wave of runs will come. Scott Jensen was tweeting about, I think, a Frankie Montas outing where this happened. I think he got crushed in the first inning by the Rangers stabilized but then was left in too long ended up giving up eight runs you're like uh right. not quite a gomber doesn't officially meet right. gomber rules but that may we'll call that the montas i guess maybe we'll yeah. call it that instead. yeah i kind of feel like like if they want to leave my max scherzer in for the seventh inning go for well, it yeah. he's he's an ace he's been doing that it's the minors like when the twins took out bailey over after five scoreless last night my mind was like good great thanks guys the bullpen almost blew it 
Um, I think it got bad. The game got back to six, five, and then the mm-hmm. twins pulled away and kept his win for him. But uh, even knowing he could lose the win when he Bailey Ober is not Max Scherzer. He is not Zach Wheeler. When he got through five scoreless, I was like, perfect, get him out. Like he's, he's got through five scoreless. He's got a handful of strikeouts. Let's just call it. He's got the lead. Let's just call it a day. So I kind of feel like that with guys like minor nowadays, I don't mind if they're five, five and a third inning pitches, pitchers once in a while, six, like get him out. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I hear you. The more marginal, the quicker I want him out with the lead after yes. get qualifying for the win for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, like I know I could squeeze two more strikeouts out, but you could mm-hmm. also squeeze two more but runs. That's way more damaging. Yeah. Yes, a third time through the order, you are probably not going to squeeze two more strikeouts. Right. You're probably just going to get scored on. Yeah, that's right. Or leave with runners on base and then get scored on. One or the other. Before we move on, uh, a quick note from our sponsor. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right. That was a very quick note. Thank you, sponsor. Uh, All right. Uh, Do we want to revisit Garrett Cole versus Kevin Gossman? You threw it in the outline. Do we want to touch it? It's Gossman. Yeah, that's all I got to say. I think it's I think more than ever. And I know Gossman didn't have a great start coming right out of that conversation. Yeah, he had his five walk game against the Dodgers. That's right. He did. But so I think I don't know know if we mentioned it last week. And this is a different slant on the whole thing. But um, I was writing an article that came. Sometimes I lose track of when I write the articles, like the rough copies when they come out. But this one came out today and it was. Uh, mid-season paces for different pitchers. Anyways, I was looking up some stats and it's remarkable. And this shouldn't be remarkable. It's just after 2020, getting my mind back into this, how many of the ERA leaders are in the National League? 
So, you know, yeah, I saw that too. And, in fact, we were talking about who's the best pitcher in the AL going forward. We're talking about this on Monday with Bernie Pleskoff. Mm-hmm. Who would you trust the most as an AL pitcher going forward? Oh. You can Not look. Cool. You don't have to. You don't have to guess. I mean, I have no idea, so that's the reason I yeah, asked. So, so not. So, I also was working on an article for a few days from now on the midseason fantasy all stars, and mm-hmm. as of a couple days ago, Cole was still. To put this in perspective, Cole was still the leading fantasy value generator on Yahoo out of AL pitchers, even with the clunkers he's been having, he was still number one. So that just goes to show you, yeah, how many of them. So Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn are the only guys in the top. Oh, I got to keep scrolling. The top 14, they're the only guys in the American League. And, and nobody even, trusts Kyle Gibson. And the know. 15th is Glass now, who's not active. So right. out of the top 16, you know, I can go down to 16. There's just two active AL pitchers in there. Um, so I, I guess the most so, valuable so, AL so I guess the answer is, uh, no, I think the answer is Lance Lynn now, maybe. That's who we, who, that's who we came upon too. Uh, yeah. Carlos Rodon, Lance Lynn. Yeah. But, you know, Rodon's been treated very carefully. I mean, and I can't go Rodon for concerns of him getting start skipped or quick hooks or something yep. later this season right. to manage his innings. It's either that's you it. think Cole's going to bounce back and then the answer is Cole, or you don't think he's going to bounce back and then the answer is almost Lance Lynn by default because you yeah, you can't take Kyle Gibson. Right. I right. can't right. take Kyle Gibson. He doesn't even have a strikeout per inning either. So, um, yeah, it's so that was with the back to the Gosman Cole debate. Really, I just think there's something wrong with Cole since they took the pitching substances away. But mm-hmm. over, but on top of that, if I'm going to give one of them benefit of the doubt, I think it's the way it's going. It's got to be the NL pitcher. And like Gosman, sure, he had a stinker against the Dodgers, who are one of the few really good NL lineups. But then he bounced back seven innings, two runs, eight strikeouts against the Cardinals. And that kind of makes sense because Cardinals lineup hasn't been very good for the last month plus. So what say you commentary it? Let us know what you guys think. Uh, mm-hmm. Who Who is... That the the AL pitcher you want the rest of the way more than anybody else, any other AL pitcher. Uh, let us know. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and read some of these comments if you, you send them to us here. Uh, a couple other news notes: uh, Nelson Cruz returned to the lineup today uh, for the Twins. He's in the lineup, I should say. He's been dealing with a neck, a sore neck, which he injured from coughing violently. Fred, um, this happens all the time, right? At his age, it might. That, right yeah. like, at his age at his age maybe it would you get all sorts of we've been through this at his age maybe you get you can get some of these things by cough, by coughing violently maybe not for the 25 year olds oh right. for one other pitcher i'll throw a sleeper pitcher by the way into that al pitchers who you would want the rest of the season discussion how about robbie ray i wouldn't pick him but never robbie ray Although I've been wrong so about never Robbie Ray this year. If you're looking for a guy who's had a lot of strikeouts and a low ERA and is backed by a really good lineup and mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be impacted so far by the changes to pitchers, there, there's there's a dark horse. I'm not saying I'd pick Robbie Ray, but uh, as far as AL pitchers and strikeouts, he's up near the top of the list. Star Platinum says Shane Bieber. I can't do that just because I don't Can. know when he's going to be able to yeah. – uh, uh, when he's going to be able to come back, how good he's going to be coming back from that shoulder. I, I, these are all things I'm worried about. Yep. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, I can't, I kind of took him right. He's second in the AL in strikeouts. I, I kind of took him right off the list just at the beginning because of that. So right. uh, yeah, I'm sticking with Lynn 
to that back. Sorry for dragging you back to that question, but Robbie Ray would be an interesting sleeper just in that Ray does have, I have no Robbie Ray shares this year. Cause I was a bit of a never Robbie Ray, unfortunately this year, but he, he is the kind of guy who can go on a run of 10 strikeouts, you know, for five straight starts, something like that. Eddie Rosario has an abdominal injury, uh, yeah. but they did get Fran Mill Reyes back. Cleveland did at the same time. And Fran Mill Reyes had quite the day, uh, home yeah. run, stolen base. Yeah. Five RBI. Yeah. Awesome. He should be back in every lineup. Uh, he could be really productive the rest of the season. Like he's always on Reyes is always on the, those sleeper lists for guys who could lead the league in home runs. Right. Like, and this year won't happen again because, because he was hurt for a while. So but he's got yeah. 12 and 43 games. Right. So he's on like a four, another, he has another season where he's on like a bit of a 40 homer pace. This is his best OPS of his career so far. Um, I think we've been, I think there will be a year where he, he's hit 37 once. I think there could be a 40 homer season or two in his future. Um, it won't be, like I say, it won't be this year, but he could be on a 40 homer pace the rest of the way. And Rosario, it looks like is going to the IL. So he hasn't quite turned out like a lot of people had hoped this year. Yeah, I can. I have one league where I have midweek replacements, and unfortunately, they haven't made the darn move. They're going to wait. Yeah. To, they're not playing tonight. They'll play. They'll wait till tomorrow and play a doubleheader. I'm like, come on. I yeah. would love to be able to have that extra day because I've got an outfield on my bench. It's XFL. I've got options here, um, but yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's super annoying. Six six eighty five OPS for Rosario this year is a career worst. If he, he so he's weirdly stealing bases, even though. Yeah. I don't think of Terry Francona as a big base stealing manager, but he has nine, which so he's only two away from his career high, which was way back in 2015 in his rookie year. So if he wasn't stealing bases, um, I think we'd be talking about like uh, you keep him in 15s, but in smaller leagues, I think we'd be talking about, about the validity of keeping him. Like if he's on pace right. for, for 13, 14 home runs and like 60 runs scored, I, I think you'd keep him. but I think we should, we'd certainly be talking more about benching him if he wasn't stealing bases. I'd agree. Yeah, uh, I, I would definitely so agree. Now, and... Actually, so now that leads to, and maybe your decision, um, let's say with this oblique, he's out a month, right? Oblique well, sometimes. we have monthly moves, uh, monthly yeah. free agents in XFL. Okay. So okay. I'm stuck with them because we just started yeah. a month, but it's also we have 40 man rosters too. But, uh, you know, the attrition oh, okay. rate is you're, pretty yeah, high. Yeah, I'm hanging on, yeah. but I'm not keeping that. Will he year, be though. dropped in? Yeah, will he be dropped in any NFBC 12s on Sunday? Yes, we'll yes. See. Yeah, yeah, you think so, eh? Yes, I think so. Yeah, it's, um, quite, it's quite possible. Especially in a 12. I think maybe even a 15, but depends on how many other uh, red suitcases you have. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, you're, now we're starting to get to the point of the year where I feel it. I, I'm not feeling the pinch. I don't know about you quite with the red suitcases quite as much as I was early in the year because Agreed. some of these red suitcases you could you can drop by now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always feel like there's, I like, I think there's some data on this, but there's always seems to be an early season run of injuries in April and May and like the sky's falling. And then things in June seem to kind of normalize. A few guys are just gone for the season or gone for so long that they're dropped. And then I, I don't know. I haven't had a big red suitcase. Pro- I had a lot of red suitcase problems in April and May, but now I haven't had that, but you're right. There'll probably be, there'll probably be a, at least one 15 teamer out there where, the person just has too many red suitcases and has to let someone go or where the team is maybe doing really well and hitting and says, you know what, I'm just going to let Rosario go. He hasn't been that good. And I'll start streaming the spot with pitchers. For sure. You know, it's yeah. funny because it's funny you say that about abating because it has been the case for me too. Shu and I actually had choices this weekend, this past weekend for the mm-hmm. first time in a while, like, Oh, 
We have three guys we could put in for this one spot. That's fine. Hmm. Weird. I, we're not just scrambling to fill every spot. That's kind of fun, isn't that refreshing to go back to uh, go back to having some choices with your te- with your teams? Uh, yeah, that's that's it, it is pretty fun. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think Rosario will like the people will mostly keep them for that reason that they that they can can hold on. But but it, and, and I I think it everything now starts to get really situation dependent. Um, mm-hmm. I have one team where I don't care at all about steals anymore. Like I'm just. My team has an unexpectedly high. I have Kiner Falef on the team and Robbie Grossman, and like the team has too many steals. So now, if I lost one of those guys for three weeks, I might cut them. See ya. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd have to look a little bit on who else in my league I'm competing with for first place, and could they pick him up, and could he come back to bite me on someone else's roster? But, but, it, but you start to get team dependent now and league dependent on on some of your keeps and some of your drops. Yeah, that's right. Um, Let's talk about a couple other guys here real quick. Starling Marte, wanted to mention him. He, he's putting together a heck of a year. Uh, just he, yeah, I think people forget it because he was out so long. But 47 games, six homers, 14 stolen bases. Man, I, I, I agree with you. He's, he's a great guy to target if you need steals. He's Although I, I think the people who have Starling Marte know how good he is. Yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, so so as far as trade targets go, I don't think you're getting Starling Marte on the cheap. But if you're yeah. if you need to make a move in steals and you're willing to pay full price for a guy, um, I think he's one of the best targets. Like his stolen bases pace is as good as anyone's this mm-hmm. year. Like he's not leading the league because of those games he missed, but his pace. So what you could expect maybe going forward is is pretty similar to anyone any other player. So I think he's one of those guys. Like like also when you look at the steals leaders, like you have Acuna and Tatis right up near the top well you're not trading for them like without right a massive package so so you're looking at the person who has Maryfield or the person who has Marte like there's a few guys Ozzy Albies some of those guys like if you want to trade for a steals guy and not just a one category non-contributor I think Marte's one of the guys you pay up for he's also he, he hits for average like he's 289 this year career 287 um unfortunately this storyline is something we've seen from Marte so many years like when you go back and look at his career game log like he has so many seasons where he basically plays 130 games and does really well and then in the off season i i've, I've done this so many times and you go to project him for next year and you're like well yeah but if he had played like 15 or 20 more games look what he would have done but right. this is this is but his he's career. never going to He's got a in, in his career, which started way back in 2012. He's got a 153 and a 145, but then he's got two 135s, a 129, a 132, and the, and then some. Uh, you know, last year he did play in every game, but this is someone who who often just just short IL stints. He's not Steven Strasburg, you know, he, like he's not that kind of. He's not John Carlos Stanton, where he could just leave you high and dry all season. He right. plays and he contributes a lot and he's super consistent, but. This happens every year where we just we just rarely see the massive season from him. Also, stolen base rates kind of go, I find, go a little up and down with him. Like he'll have a forty steal year, but then a thirty. Um, but overall, this guy's been really productive. He's one of those guys that gets hit by a lot of pitches, um, yep. like a lot of Cubs. And I often wonder, like, do you put yourself in harm's way? Like, I and you do. Look at the playoff injury he suffered last year. Got hit by a pitch mm-hmm. and then missed the next series. You know, when they beat the Cubs. Uh, that was great. But then, you know, against the Braves, he wasn't available. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point, um, I'm just looking at his injured career injury log, um, nothing below the waist. So yep. it, it makes sense. He's still running, but at the same time, like he's a lot of injury. He has a hand, 
injury. He's got a couple obliques. Um, you know, he's got a rib, back, concussion, you know, all these things, abdominal wall contusion, like all these things. Yeah, some of them probably are at least either directly or indirectly by how many times he gets hit by pitches. But yeah, mm-hmm. every, every, almost all of his injuries are, are through your core. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, let's go with uh, another Marlin, Anthony Bender. Got the save last night. Yimmy Garcia pitched the two days, two two days in a row, and got crushed by the Braves in the second of those two on Sunday. So I and he walked three guys, gave up four hits. I mean, they got left hang, hung out to dry there a little bit. That's a lot of batters for one guy to face. Yeah. His ERA in that outing jumped from two sixty one to three sixty six. His WHIP from one hundred three to one twenty two. Point is, you know, Garcia was having a pretty fine year prior to that outing. He's still having a pretty good year. Uh, so I don't really think he's at risk of losing the job. But he might be at risk of getting traded. Who is Anthony Bender? So Anthony Bender. So I just thought this was a good chance to maybe talk a bit about Anthony Bender, who I don't think anyone's really talking about. Uh, I grabbed him about three weeks ago on my tout NL team after noticing how well after noticing how well he had been pitching, and uh, so far I've been rewarded with some good innings and now one save. So I'll take it. Uh, He he's been quietly been I I'd say the best reliever in the Marlins bullpen so far. Now he's not pitching the same leverage of innings, maybe that Garcia's pitching, but um, 26 and a third innings, 34 strikeouts, a 0.68 ERA. But it's, and you can say, oh, he's lucky, low Babbitt, whatever. His FIP's 1.50. He's not yeah. walking a lot of batters. He hasn't given up a home run yet. He's 26 years old. I, I like, I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know a lot about Anthony Bender until a month ago, but I did some, I did some looking. I haven't added him on mixed league teams. I don't think he's necessarily the Marlins closer if Garcia is traded, but I think he's certainly in the picture. If they right. wanted to give their most successful reliever this year, the closer's job, he would be the guy, but we know teams don't always do that. P and L picked him up in Yahoo friends and family. Of course I went to go check that. Uh, okay. So he was not available there, but yeah, he's a 26-year-old. You know, it's just it's not like he's super young either. That's right. Yeah, he's not he's not super young, but I, I I do find sometimes too with these relievers, there are often a lot older than I expect. I was actually just having a conversation with a friend yesterday, and I'll ask you this question cold and be don't be afraid to get it wrong, because I was way off. How old do you think Julian Merriweather is on the Blue Jays? 28, just because of the framing of the question. Yeah, 29. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was going to guess 25, maybe 26. The, yeah. like, the fact that he was 29, but yeah, I mean, some of these relievers between surgeries and it takes a long time to work through the minors. It's, it's wild how old some of these guys are when they, when they debut, like just thinking, just watching sports in general, like, like football players, basketball players, hockey players, they don't really good players don't debut in their mid to late twenties, but in baseball pitchers do. So Maybe Bender is someone who's found something, you know, I, I could see them if they trade Garcia, just being a committee. Anthony Bass has been okay, Unless, mm-hmm. but they could trade him, but they could trade him as well. Yeah, you know, they could. you know, we could get to a point where there's not much left. And then Bender, Dylan Floro, I also have on that same tout NL team. He's been fine. He's had a couple blowups, but other than that, he's been early okay. on, right? Uh, kind of sp- the blowups have been kind of sporadic. Uh, uh, unfortunately, he's got, he had one on May 18th. That was really bad. I had him in my lineup for that one. That was five earned runs in a third of an mm. inning. That one's pretty bad. And then he had one June 3rd, three earned runs in two thirds of an inning. He's had some blowups, but um, but he's been generally pretty good. He walks a few too many batters. I could see them going committee. But that being said, I think PL wasn't foolish to 
pick up Bender and let's just see where all this goes. But I do think, I don't think they're going to ruin Garcia's trade value by not having, by pulling him from the closers role, you know, three, four, three and a half weeks or four weeks or whatever, but it is. Oh, I agree. Online. It's, it's yeah. in the event that Garcia gets dealt. That's that, right. That, that's what we're looking that's at. That's right. And maybe you want to stash Bender now. And the other thing is Bender's pitching so well that if you're just looking to stream a middle reliever next week on the three day week, like just to get an inning or two, Bender could be a guy. And then maybe you just hold him for the next week and see what happens with Garcia rumors, with Bass rumors. Um, I could totally see them if Bass was still there, just going back to him just because it doesn't, doesn't put a guy like Bender, you know, for future salary evaluations in a closers role, but, but he, he has been their best reliever this year. He has, he has indeed. Yeah. Um, The Roy, I mean, the Nats went in the way back machine Saw that UL Washington wasn't available, so they instead traded or, or added Alcides Escobar as a former Royal. Uh, batted him leadoff, has a career 293 OBP. They did win yesterday. I don't think those are necessarily correlated, but uh, he happened to be in the lineup on a winning team. It's true. So he is, a, I will say, like, I kind of poo-pooed this whole thing, but he is a feel-good story in the sense of how long he's been out of the majors and he's been working to come back if I was in his shoes and hadn't played a major league game since 2018 and had just gone through the COVID season where mm-hmm. there's no minor league baseball, like, you know what I mean? Like I might've said it's time to shut it down and just call it a career. Uh, you know, he's 34, but like, so awesome for him that he made it back to the major. Well, league. and it was three for four last night with a double and, and, and on 4th of July, also three yeah. for four. So uh, yeah. it was correlated. It was, con- it was, it was a con- big contribution to the cause as a matter of Yeah. Fact. It's just, it's just why it was wild to me and it worked and they won and they scored runs and he got one of them and he drove in two of them and he got three hits, but it's just wild to me that this guy who hasn't played in the major since 2018 has a, really bad career on base percentage wasn't good enough to get in the majors at any point this year until July. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he has one good game and his manager's like, you know what we should do? We should hit him ahead of all you other guys tomorrow. Like all you guys who we've been playing every day, all season, I think he's a better option than all of you to get up a lot tomorrow. We should, we like, forget you, Starlin Castro, Josh Harrison, who've been playing every day for them this season, let alone just trade. I get, they don't want to move Turner and Soto from their right. spots in the lineup. Um, but it's just wild to think that like a month ago, nobody wanted them on the major league roster. And now right. today and yesterday they were like, you know what we should do? We should have him bat the most tomorrow right. that seems like him more really, at best than any really yes. good idea like someone like and i know starlin castro hit fifth he's probably not going to complain josh harrison hit seventh but but josh harrison might have been sitting there when the lineup came out being like come on come on right. guys like i've been playing every day all season <laughs> he's hitting 270 with a 348 on base and you know to be like come on guys how am i not hitting leadoff josh harrison's hit plenty of leadoff in his career he's got balanced splits this year like I, I, like someone like him when he saw the lineup card must have been like, come on, Escobar, lead off. This guy just got here. But really? this are, these are things major league managers do that. That's true. That I just can't, I can't like, like to me, Escobar hits seventh or eighth every game. Maybe if he's hot, he hits six, but he hits basically seventh or eighth every game that they need to use him. But am I crazy? Like, do you think I, I'm, is there, is there a, a managerial tactic there? I guess it's the ride the hot hand tactic. It's well, Ned. He used to be a leadoff hitter, therefore he's yeah. a leadoff hitter. Yeah, I guess that's the yeah. only thing I can think of. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, yes, uh, got hit by a pitch in Coors Field. Thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks, Rockies. Missed two games in Coors Field. He pinch hit yesterday. He's back in the starting lineup today. Fred, you know the last time that Tyler O'Neill has hit a home run, he has fifteen homers. 
Oh, I know it's, I have them on my labor team, so I know it's been a while. I'm going to yeah. say three weeks. June 9th. Yep. Yeah. Almost a full so month. Almost a month. So he's doing un Tyler O'Neill things where he's hitting for average with and, and stealing bases, but not hitting home runs. Yeah. Well, and the, the, the speed I expected a little bit of because he's always had great sprint yeah. speed numbers. Yep. He's kind of like uh, Teoscar in that sort of sense. In fact, they have similar profiles. Both Absolutely. strike out a lot. Yep. Uh, walk very infrequently. 13 walks, 74 Ks in the case of O'Neill. So hitting for average is not something I'd continue, I'd expect, but uh, here we are. I'd yeah. like to see that power come back though. Anytime soon would be nice. He has been, and he has been pretty quiet like since then. So I just pulled it up since, since the, since June 11th, um, 246 average, four RBIs, uh, 708 OPS. Like he is still walking. So that's yep. good. But from a fantasy perspective, like he's been in my labor lineup the whole time, 246 average, four RBIs, one steal. Not yep. good. Not good at all. Um, yeah, he, he's someone also, I, I feel like he strikes out a lot. So we always talk about him as a batting average drain. There's a lot of players we talk about like this, I find, because they strike out a lot. A lot of the guys who strike out a lot, they're, they're not good for batting average, but his career's 246. How much is that dragging your 2021 batting average down? Not much. Not much. If, you're 20, if the your... other stuff doesn't come along, though. Yes. I mean, it, it, and that's the thing is you don't get the other stuff to come along when you're not getting on base as much. So yep. that's that's the thing to watch for him. I, yeah, I, yeah, I did that. Yeah. 246 since his last Homer. And that, that's, that's, that's problematic. And you can see why my team, I have them both main events. You can see why they're slumping a little bit. That's part of it. Then again, it was, it was ill gotten gains to begin with perhaps, but uh, yeah, anyway. the, the Cardinals, like I find Aaron Otto has been fine. Even, even the last month, I, I actually looked that up at the end of June because the Cardinals were so unproductive during June that mm-hmm. I wanted to see what the problem was. Aaron Otto hasn't been awesome in St. Louis. I kind of expected that gold, but he's been fine. Uh, his Juno PS was 782. That's like, okay. It's like within his range of probably what he will be going for. It'd be like low eight hundreds or something. Goldschmidt was fine, but the rest of them, like O'Neill was bad. Yaddy Molina has not, it was good at the beginning of the season, but hasn't been effective right. he since he came off. off. Yep. Yep. He had a, a good game in Coors, but other than that, he's been bad. Tommy Edmonds has been bad. Uh, good for fantasy because he's still running. But right, but but not a, like his, he's a, in June. He was like a six something OPS. The and Cardinals he's as a whole season. just took a. They big were dive. bad. So I, yeah, I yeah. wanted to see why they were bad. The other thing is, is they were bad in June, but they kept running the exact same hitters out there, almost like barring other than injuries. Like they were rolling the same guys all the time. Like when I looked up. You know, uh, they had a favorable schedule one week, so I tried to look up like you know who's been platooning, who's been playing for them. It, it, there isn't. It's the same guys going out. Pretty Car- Carlson wasn't great in June, but it's right. like Carlson, O'Neill, Molina, Edmund. They're, they're going to live and die with these guys. Goldschmidt, Arenado, pretty much have the same top six or seven every day. Yeah. Um, they just they just haven't been good. I don't I don't find that lineup that scary. Nope, I don't either. Um, yeah. They could all they could heat up at once. They could be annoying where they string together a bunch of at bats, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, watch them score nine to nine in the, you know, against the Giants or something like that, but probably uh, that, that. for NL central pitchers, that was something else I noticed recently when writing was, um, the Cubs lineup strikes out a ton. The Pirates yep. lineup's awful. The Cardinals lineup has been awful. Milwaukee um, strikes out a bunch and Milwaukee strikes out a ton. It isn't really a good lineup. They're okay. Not, not good yeah. at all. It's just the Reds lineup. So as far as NL central pitchers, there's a lot of pretty safe landings there. And, you know, the Reds have slumped a lot, especially against lefties. So even though they have right. good cumulative stats, there's been opportunities where pitchers have done well against yeah. them. Uh, quick news out of Anaheim, and then we'll take some uh, questions real quick. 
Anthony Rendon, third trip to the IL this year with a hamstring strain, just went on the IL. So make sure to get him out. If you if you have midseason move midweek moves, you can do that there. Yes, yes, I I cannot do that, but yes, if you have midweek Tower's moves, you, you can, can but I Tower's you can you don't you're not in AL Tower Wars, so you can. No, I'm not. I have them in AL Tower Wars. I'm just waiting for on Roto to get it officially there, so I can make that move. But yeah, you uh, can't do that probably till tomorrow. Now, uh, so frustrating. I, I'm pretty sure you can't do that till tomorrow. Yeah, I know, but I still, I just want to make the move. Just you want to make done. the move before no, I, I forget. Your, Eight a.m. tomorrow. It'll be on your to-do list. Right, All right, and because you know, like you know, other stuff happens in the morning. Then you're like, okay, I got to make my fishbowl pick. I got to get ready for the show. Oh crap, we had a day game today. Now I can't make yeah. that move. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Jeff problems. Nobody else's problems. (laughs) Yeah. Let's uh, hit some questions before we sign out today. Uh, Adam Buckley says, when should we expect Durant? Hearing lots of rumblings. Yeah, I'm hearing the same rumblings. I don't have a lot of inside information on that. Didn't they say, I don't follow the U.S. Olympic baseball team a lot, but didn't they say that um, when something to the effect of when he first joined them for the qualifying games, they expected he would be available for the Olympics, but now they right. think his timetable has been moved up and he's going to be on the Red Sox by then. That's right. That's exactly what they said. Uh, that yeah. They expect him to be, you know, uh, they, they expect him to be uh, uh, up before August 7th when the Olympics end. That's what they said. So right. I expect after the all-star break, I wouldn't be surprised sometime shortly after that. Um, they can they can upgrade the outfield a little bit there. Play Kiki Hernandez yep. at second base and yep. go from there. Yeah, I think, yep. I think that's a, that's the smart play for them. Them, I think, like they've been, yeah, like messing around with Christian Arroyo at second. Danny Santana's played some outfield for them. I, I think trying to upgrade the outfield and and put Hernandez at second base more often is probably a good move for them. That's a obviously a really good lineup, but at the bottom, yeah, you know, uh, Dahlbeck hasn't been great this year. Guys like Arroyo, Santana, when they're in lineup, don't really scare you. They they could get a little right. longer in that lineup and, and make themselves even better. They I've been really impressed and surprised by how good the Red Sox have been this year, and but they could make themselves better. Yeah, Corey asked about Bruhan. We covered him in the beginning of the podcast. He is getting the call up, um, and we expect him to play. You know, he's the twenty seventh man. He could be sent down after the doubleheader tomorrow. Theoretically, probably won't be. Probably mm-hmm. will be up, if not for good, up for a while. Uh, we'll see. I mean, and he's got to deal with uh, when Margot comes back. Margot is a good player. You know, he's not going to yeah. just yep. go away. This isn't a Wally Pip situation, I don't think. No, Margot's going to come back and Margot's going to play. So yeah. he has to play well enough that when Margot comes back, they they want they want both of them in the lineup at the same That's time. Right. So right. which he could he could well do, but he needs to hit the ground running. Like 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 Jared Kalnick just had to not be terrible, and he was yep. terrible. Like if he could have just hit two thirty, he'd he'd still be in the majors right now. He was just and he so probably bad will be happened. soon. He will be. I think right after the All Star break, basically. But I've held him everywhere that I had him. But but he just had to not be terrible, and he would have stayed up. I think Franco just has to not be terrible, and he'll stay yeah. up. Uh, this is a different situation, though. He uh, Bruhan needs to be like pretty good. Yeah, he does. Yeah, uh, especially because the Rays. I mean, they're contending. It's not like they had the mm-hmm. like all this playing time just to give away. They need. Yeah, you need to produce right away. I would, uh, yeah, I would pick him up thinking you're going to have him for a few weeks, and then everything after that's a bonus. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, Sid asked about uh, Roddy Teles. We talked about him already. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, we care. He he gets a chance. Uh, you know, especially you know when the uh, roof is closed in Milwaukee. I like that setup there. When when the roof is open, it doesn't fly out as well. But he's going to get a real chance. Here is slumping again. 
So you could probably uh, get a chance at that. Uh, Joe McHugh asks, if you're managing the standings in a league overall setting, with a, a league and an overall setting, how do you manage the second half in a category that isn't competitive in the league like saves, but might help in the overall? Kind of a bit of a main event type question. Yeah. Right. And yes. And I've actually, Jeff Zimmerman and I have had discussions on that with categories where we are leading our main event league. So you're kind of like, oh, do I take my foot off the gas in that category and, and you know, steer towards other categories? Um or do you try to keep pushing because it can help you move up in the overall? I think, I think you have to be realistic and decide what your goal is with your team. And do you think winning or being really high? And and I don't know if this I don't doesn't feel like it's totally an NFBC question. There's the way it, it's it mostly it is be. though. Joe Joe's be. an NFBC player. That, okay. see, it's not just the main; it's also the online championship, also be. the draft champions. That's right. Um, so it, it can so apply to that, but you know, like Fantrax has a contest, RT has mm-hmm. a contest, you know, there's others out there. Um, I, I also think too, it's like, yeah, you got to know exactly where you're standing and you start to pay attention to where are you standing in the overall, like with the with yes. saves. chances are, if you're dominating saves in your league though, probably dominant, you, you, you have a downside to protect in the overall, but I, th- I, I think you got to make sure it's like you, you win your league first is the way I look yes. at it. There. I, so I think that's the decisions are, you know, can you, can you, are, is it time for you to chase an overall like championship or, or placing really high in the overall where you feel secure enough that you can win your league. So now you're going to make some moves. So for example, if you were leading saves in your league and also right near the top of saves in an overall contest, that also means that the people around you, in the overall have plenty of closers because they're also near the top of saves in the overall, which means if you start benching your closers in an effort to get more strikeouts or more wins or something like that, some of them are going to pass you quite quickly because you're around a lot of people in the safe standings with two or three closers. Um, So, so you have to factor it. Same thing. If it was even home runs, you started benching a couple of your sluggers to get base stealers in the lineup because your team had hit a lot of home runs and you're near the top. Well, that means you're around other teams who hit a lot of home runs you know, if you tail off, they'll probably quickly pass you. But I think it comes down to, and this is a good time of year to do this, is look realistically and think, you know, is my goal to win my, my goal is always to win my league. Do I feel safe enough that I'm working towards that goal that I can start to try to compete in the overall? Or should I stay singularly focused to winning my league and not worry about the overall? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, thanks for the question, Joe. Ryan uh, Ryan Roof says, earlier today, I made a thread of potential closer trades that we may see this summer. He proposed Richard Rodriguez to Toronto. Uh, keep in mind, Toronto got another re- reliever in Trevor Richards in the uh, Telez deal. We didn't really talk about the merits of Richards. This is his third team this year. He is kind of kind of going to eat innings, but uh, I don't know if he's going to – what sort of role to play. But anyhow, would Rod Rich Rod to Toronto get your stamp of approval? Well, depending on what they had to give up for them, sure. Yeah. I, I do think the Blue Jays, though, may move in the direction they've gone in so far, which is adding a lot of relievers, but not necessarily stud relievers. I don't know if Rich Rod is a stud reliever, but he's like kind of in the ballpark. Like, mm-hmm. I think he might be on the high end of, but at least in the, like, like I just saw Buster Olney talk about maybe that Craig Kimbrell could be traded uh, this month, who's having like just a dynamite season. I don't right. see the Blue Jays being in on guys like Kimbrell. Um, I think the Blue Jays might be happy. Like they've added Adam Simber. They've added Trevor Richards. They might try to just bulk add th- two or three more arms who are okay, like those guys, and just be content with Romano and, and hopefully eventually a healthy Merriweather 
by at some point in July at the back end of their bullpen. But uh, I think Richard Rodriguez would be great for the Jays. Yeah, I think that would, that would be a great fit. I don't see the Jays going after a superstar closer like Kimbrell. I think Rodriguez would be at the very top of what the Blue Jays are willing to acquire based on the track record of that management group. But the Blue Jays definitely don't need hitters. They right. could grab a bench bat, like a veteran bench bat after trading Joe Panic, like an infielder, multi-position kind of guy. It's whether the Jays think they need to add a starter or their rotation's fine and they could put all their chips, trade chips into the bullpen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another team that might be making a trade, the Chicago White Sox. This just came out. Uh, according to James Fagan, uh, Fagan, I, bear with me. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's Frights for the Athletic. Uh, and he talks. He mentions how Yasmani Grandal has a torn tendon in his left knee. It's expected to be out four to six weeks. Is there a catcher to trade for on the market, or is Zach Collins going to be sufficient? Oof. I, I could see four to six weeks. I could see them maybe looking to acquire at least a depth catcher, although I think Collins now will get a lot more work. Yeah, like like in the near future than yeah. they have. I'm trying to think of someone who's a depth catcher on a team that would for sure sell. You know, right now, maybe someone like the Angels would get rid of Kurt Suzuki, like just a stopgap type guy. Um, I'm, I was thinking so, someone like Kurt Suzuki, where the Angels they have Max Stassi. The Angels aren't going to make the playoffs. I, I think they mostly know that Suzuki isn't a part of it. You know what I mean? Like someone like that could just come in and play. Right. Uh, three or four games a week for the White Sox until Grandall's back and then slip into two games a week after Grandall's back. I think that's what I, I could see the White Sox trying to do something like that, like between now and the end of the all-star break. Wilson Ramos was suggested yeah. in, in the comments. Uh, he is available. Can't really catch. That's the problem. He, you know, there's a reason why Detroit just let him go. And it's because yeah. they don't like his work behind the plate. No, and that should be a huge thing for the White Sox because the White Sox can hit. And they have a lot of pitchers who are pitching – uh, like Giolito's not pitching his, at his best this year, but Lynn oh. is, Rodon is, Cease has mm-hmm. been really good, Keiko's been effective. Like they need a catcher who can come in and just steady all those arms, and then just let these uh, let let Abreu, Anderson, like all these other guys, like direct the offense. They're going to get Luis Robert back at some point. They're probably get Eloy Hernandez back at some point. Um, but they need a catcher who can just come in and steady that starting staff because they, I think they're easily the best team in that division. They just need those pitchers to keep doing what they've been doing. One final question, Joel Hennard, uh, right? We know Joel. He always listens. I, I know him from first pitch Arizona too. Has to pick between Bruhan and Miles Straw rest of the season. Also, keeper value would be eleven dollars for each, and a home home twelve team league can only keep one of them. I wouldn't worry about the, the keeper aspect of that right now. I mean, chances are other guys will emerge, you know, have better halves of the seasons mm-hmm. and things like that. So I really wouldn't worry too much about the keeper of uh, that last spot. You might make trades, who knows, but uh, Miles Straw, you know, he's got 13 stolen bases on the year. He doesn't have any power, two homers. He has scored 37 runs, 27 RBI. He's getting lots of plate appearances, Fred. He's playing virtually every single day. You like him, or do you like Bruhan rest of the season? Yeah, I, I was actually thinking a little bit about the the keeper value of them. Maybe I shouldn't be. So he hit. So Straw was not playing well. I know this from chasing Chaz McCormick, who I think is a better hitter. But Straw wasn't hitting well at all. And then in June, he hit three thirty, and mm-hmm. and then stole bases. Obviously, because if he's hitting, he's going to steal bases. Now his BABIP since June first is three seventy three, which is probably not sustainable. Even though yeah. he is a fast player, just his batted ball tendency is probably not sustainable. But um, 
I would say I would probably, if I'm trying to win this year and I need, then I, I could use the steals. I think I just keep straw for the rest of the year because he's going to play every day. I think Dusty just likes him as a center fielder. He's fast. Yeah. He'll hit lower in the lineup. Like, like it's not going to be a lead off thing, but he'll, but I think he can get you another, if he keeps hitting decently, I think he can get you another 13 steals, which would be pretty valuable in the second half. Sure. We just don't know what we're going to get from Bruhan. If you, if I didn't need the steals, uh, then I would I could go ahead and roll the dice with Bruhan here for for however long you have him for and and then you can evaluate him as a keeper. But I think he said they were both eleven dollar keepers. That's pretty high. Yeah, that's why that's kind of so why my go, flippant yeah. comment about now don't worry about the yeah the, the keeper aspect. It's a twelve team mixed. I mean, Bruhan's a prospect. He he took a big leap in the prospect rankings this year. He had kind of fallen some, but mm-hmm. his AAA performance had brought him back up. I don't know. Uh, it's a, it's the last keeper. Uh, I think I'd still not concerned. I think I, yeah. I I mean I think it. it I think your construction's right. If you need the stolen bases, you hang on to straw. You probably do I need hang on straw in most cases. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's gonna wrap it up. Anything else you want to close with, Fred? Before we uh, sign off for today. No, we were talking. I, I like to say this for the end because it's a baseball podcast, but we were talking Scott Fishball 11 before right. we started recording. Um, I I was telling you, I, I and I'm up. I am on the clock. As soon as Ooh, we end this nice. recording, I will pick. I, I have gone through four rounds, zero RB. I don't know if I'm going to be able to have the fortitude to still do that. Um, I have to decide, do I want to take David Montgomery or Miles Sanders? Or am I going to stick with my zero RB plan and just start drafting more receivers? So far I have Kelsey and Hill and Tyreek Hill and then Trevor Lawrence and DeAndre Hopkins. So am I all in with the zero RB plan or am I going to break right now and grab David well, Montgomery or Miles Sanders? What's your non running back option? Who, who, who's available? Like, is it, how enticing is it? So the, some of the top receivers left uh, on my list. I'm not afraid of since I, since not, not many people chase me for fantasy football knowledge. Um, Robert Woods is top. I do do my own projections for football too. Okay. Robert Wood, Robert Woods is my top guy left on my list. Um, and then the next guys on my list after him are DJ Moore and CD lamb. CD lamb is the highest of the remaining guys for ADP. So I like, I like DJ Moore the best of those three. Um, so I, I'd like, but you know, I, in fact, I, I, and I put him on a par with the running back. So for what it's worth, how about quarterback? It's QB flex league. Who's the best Total, quarterback? I'm, total, I'm totally out on all. They're all gone. Like all the good, I got Trevor Lawrence. The good ones are gone. I pretty much resigned myself to, uh, to waiting a few rounds and I'm going to get uh, like, I I'm thinking probably round seven or eight or something. I'll get the best of what's left, but I don't see any quarterbacks right now. I will make one comment on Robert Woods. I think the fantasy community doesn't give enough attention to how many rushing yards he gets in a season. Okay. So uh, in the last three years, 157, 115 and 155. So if you take his receiving numbers and throw those on top, cause they count just the same. He's also got four receipt four rushing touchdowns in the last three years. Like he's, it's got to the point where the way they run their jet sweeps, he's pretty consistently like you can, you can take his receiving projections and just add a hundred yards at least to it. You're not worried about Tutu Atwell stealing his jet sweeps. They could, he could, um, right. it's, it's totally possible. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's what they got him for. And maybe I need to factor that in a little more. That's a, that's a really good point. He's been good on the jet sweeps, but you know, um, he's, I, he's I, I'd be somewhat flippant there, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, except I know Atwell will probably figure in, but you know, I just want to throw his name in there because, yeah. you know, come for a baseball, co- start with Vidal Bruhan, finish with Tutu Atwell. It's a good day. And, and how far are you from your next pick? 
I made one just before we started. I took Terry oh, okay. McLaurin at pick 55 mm -hmm. uh, as my first wide receiver. So we have completely different teams. I started off uh, from the sixth spot. I started off to running back, running back. I went Dalvin Cook, and then I went Cam Aker. So I, I am dipping into that Rams pool. Uh, was hoping to get Stafford in the third. Ha! No chance. Um, I got Mark Andrews in the third. Tight end boosted scoring. We made me go that route. Trevor Lawrence as well in the fourth. And then uh, Terry McLaurin. Took him ahead. Oh, Keenan Allen went right before that. Michael Thomas went right before that. We didn't have our first wide receiver until pick 28 in our draft. So yeah. uh, we it really waited on that. Um, there are some other wide receivers I like with this next pick. So we'll see. I might get my second quarterback too. We'll see. The, the wide receivers in the fishbowl drafts do seem to be falling a ton. I'll give you the craziest pick, in my opinion, for my draft is that Trey Lance went at pick 28. That's aggressive. We'll well, it is like if he starts all season, sure. But for example, Trey Lance went at a time when one wide receiver had been drafted. He went before Devonte Adams, Stefan Diggs, all those other guys. That is, if he starts all year, it's he went before Cam Akers. But he might not even start until halfway through the season. That's... I know. And you love you love Cam Akers. He went before Cam Akers. He went before Najee Harris. That's he went before Joe Mixon. All those guys. So Aaron Jones. So yeah. that is. That is pretty. I do love the fishbowl scoring method. I love how right. quarterbacks are really valuable. They're the most important players in the NFL. I think they should be very important in fantasy leagues. I, I don't like standard scoring for that I like, reason. I like Superflex just for that reason. Man. I have asked the NFFC to have Superflex for probably three straight years unsuccessfully. We're we're still lobbying Greg and Tom on that one there too. I so. just like them to try it. I think it's I think it's great. I think if they just ran some satellite Superflex leagues, I think they fill. And like I said, like quarterback, it, it would bother me to bring it back to fantasy baseball. Like it would bother me if someone like Max Scherzer wasn't really valuable because just the scoring format of your league pitchers didn't matter that much. Right. Right. Or, right. or something like that. Like, like I like how fantasy, like the best baseball players are the first round fantasy picks, both pitchers and hitters. Like it bothers me in regular football leagues when you see Matt Stafford going round 11. Right. He's one of the most uh, important I, players in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I'd agree. Wholeheartedly, so you think, lobby, you lobby, Greg and Tom. Tell them I'll sign up for it. Oh well, we have and will. I'll just tell them that. <laughs> hey, Fred agrees with us. Come on. Yeah. Well, you got one more guy. I think just just tell them to dip their toe in the water. A few satellite leagues, super flex. See if they fill. Go from there the next year. Three men with courage and convictions is a majority. That's what I hear. So that's right. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Coming up tomorrow, we got the prospect podcast. Uh, please tune in for that with Clay and James. Thanks again for listening. As always, thank you to WinBet for sponsoring us. Uh, if you can bet online, please bet it with WinBet. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Or no, we will not be back again next week. It's no. the all-star break. So, Fred, you get a break. You know, uh, And we'll, we'll resume hostilities in two weeks here on this Tuesday podcast. Thanks for listening.